0: Welcome back from the break, folks. My next guest, it is such an honor to have him on. It is the last rancher standing. It's the gritty, gutsy Nevada cattle rancher Clive and Bundy. This week marks Bunkerville Revisited. It is the one-year anniversary of the infamous Bundy Ranch Standoff when a small army of armed federal agents from the BLM locked down public access roads around the ranch before seizing and shooting cattle belonging to Clive and Bundy, claiming they were enforcing an EPA court order which designated the Bundy Ranch as an environmental mitigation area for the protected desert tortoise. The hostilities culminated in an armed standoff between the federal agents and Bundy's supporters, and on April 12th, to what looked like a war zone when Washington dispatched a BLM paramilitary force, including pointing snipers on citizens, and the Bundy Ranch standoff turned the national spotlight on a long-running rift between residents over the question of who actually owns Nevada's vast public lands. And here to shed some spotlight on the one-year anniversary of this infamous showdown and to give us an update on some exciting new things is Mr. Cliven Bundy. Mr. Bundy, it's such an honor to have you. Welcome to the program, sir.
1: Well, thank you. It's an opportunity for me to visit with the world and with you, and so I appreciate it, and I thank you for all the efforts that you've put forth to bring this program together today.
0: I can tell you there's nothing that absolutely boils my blood more than this federal government running roughshod over the citizens, which really, it's really becoming essentially very commonplace, isn't it?
1: Well, it sure is. And, you know, in the ranching community, we're we're almost uh, uh, immune, uh, I can't say that I'm immune to it, but we're just used to, that's just the way of life. And, you know, we're tired of that way of life. We need to have some freedoms and liberty. We need to be able to produce and feed America and feed the world without this uh, bureaucracy on our back and stopping us from producing.
0: Cattle became the successor to Buffalo in the late 1860s. That was the era when your ancestors settled in what was to become the state of Nevada and began to graze cattle in what would later be called the Bunkerville grazing allotment. The Bundy family made peaceful and productive use of that allotment for more than 120 years, mixing their labor with the land to create original wealth. 1993, just so the listeners know, the federal Leviathan state that unilaterally modified the terms of your family's grazing permit. And this was done in service of a doctrine even more insidious than manifest destiny. And the BLM decreed that year that the land on which you and your neighbors had long grazed their cattle was actually the habitat of the desert tortoise. So I guess this is not unlike other agencies running around administering Washington's illegal colonial occupation of western lands, continuing to target the most enduring symbol of the American West, the cowboy, seeking to price and regulate the rancher right off their lands, right out of business, destroying the economy in rural areas. And really in the past 20 years, Clive, and they've all but eradicated cattle ranching in the southwestern United States. So your legal battle with the BLM is really about this $1.2 million in grazing fees that they allege you owe them. That really was what led up to the showdown. Is that a fair assessment in your opinion, sir?
1: It is, except up until the 1930s, uh, you know, the ranchers did have some freedom and liberties here, and they were able to develop and create some ranches and farms. At that time, you know, there was lots of ranchers. Each uh, pioneer that came to this country was using the resources and, and gaining a preemptive rights by using the water and the forage. But after the 1930s, the uh, Taylor Grazing Act came along, and then the government started to aggressively move forward in claiming to the point that they owned the land. So they claim they own this Nevada land, and that we're just basically uh, only here because they allow us to be. And, of course, what they've done in my area is they've run all of my other, run them off, broke them, bankrupt them, and they've won 52 ranchers here in Clark County. I'm the last man standing. That's where I get the last man standing name. But what's happened now is the federal government is claiming unlimited power over this land and claiming they have policing power. And, and of course, you see the force they come with when they they come to uh, with their snipers and their army to basically take me out of business. And so th- what you've said is very, are very correct, uh, where it, they, they're honoring the animal more than they are man, and then, of course, that's just an excuse for them, but the point is, is now man don't mean nothing to our federal bureaucracy.
0: Yeah, that's so true. I mean, they're really, and, and that's, I guess, what is so exciting about a bill that you're behind. And this bill essentially says, hey, feds, you have no jurisdiction. You mentioned this army of bureaucracy. I mean, these the BLM have vehicles that look like military MRAPs. And if that isn't a draconian militarized police state, I want you to get into this bill because I had to laugh when an LA Times article Nevada can't afford this bill but I thought well it's interesting that the federal government has managed to get America into 1.3 trillion dollars in debt and passing that on to future generations. I mean if that is an abuse of power with the people I don't know what is and it, again it's a virulent case of this evisceration of the Constitution of the United States of America which these guys, these sheriffs and county commissioners by the way have pledged allegiance to that Constitution, the highest on the land so there's a whole layer of issues here isn't there
1: well they are you know and let me let me go back a step or two on you here again <laughs> let's go back to the uh, 1.2 million dollars that they claim I own Oh, for back grazing in other words I'm trespassing 1.2 million dollars you know uh, I have no guilt there and, and the reason I have no guilt I, I look up on my ranch and I say hey you know, I don't run my cattle on United States government land. I run my cattle within the state boundaries of Nevada. So if I run on public land at all, it would have to be the Nevada state public land. And the other issue is, is I have no contract with the United States government. I do not have a grazing contract or a or lease. And so when I look at the, that, I feel like I have no guilt. The federal government have no business on my land or no business in my business. I have not ever been billed the money. It's only been media that brings us $1.2 million out. So what I'm saying is I'm not guilty of that, that charge.
0: Right, and I agree, because when you look back on, I guess that goes back to the question of who actually owns Nevada's vast public lands.
1: Let me clear that up. I mean, how could it be contested if our constitutional the Constitution, you say it's the supreme law of the land, and in our Constitution, it says the federal government can only own ten miles square. Right. That's all yeah. of the Constitution allows the federal government to own. The only other property they can own would have to be bought from the state with the consent of the legislature of that state, and it'd have to pay for it, and it can only be bought for certain purposes, which would be military uses. So, how does our land that I graze on be? to qualify under the supreme law of the land, our constitution. How How could that happen?
0: Well, absolutely, and that's what I'm saying is how could it be a hotly contested issue because when you go back to 1864, when Nevada became the 36th state admitted into the Union, and you look at public land rights, I really agree with you. I mean, it really comes down to if the federal government really owned the land, there's a contingency there that they must purchase it with consent of the state legislator, right? And then if the states don't own the land, how could they sell it? That That's a valid well, Yeah, argument. you
1: know, that that's the inter- interesting thing. Uh, if our Constitution says the United States has to purchase purchase it from a state, well, that must mean the state owns it. Why would the United States purchase something? Exactly. And then the other thing is, how could a state sell their land to the United States if they don't own it? I mean, that's pretty clear Questions. Two questions are, how could Nevada sell land to the United States if they don't own it? And how could the United States buy Nevada land if, they, if Nevada don't own it?
0: No, you've raised a really good question. And I guess this is why we see this abuse of power with people because, I mean, you almost have to become a Philadelphia lawyer just to figure out all this red tape and these bureaucracies. You know, they always have a little loophole too, don't they? Isn't that incredible?
1: Well, you know, the endangered species thing is a loophole for them. And, and of course, here uh, the the creature in my area is the desert tortoise. And, you know, I want to tell your public... You know, in my lifetime, I've been raised on this desert, and the desert tortoise has always been our friend. It's always been something of interest. You know, as we grew up as kids and even as grown-up men and cowboys, if we see a desert tortoise, it's always an interest to us. We always pay attention to it. It's something a little bit different. But to to want to eliminate that tortoise or to cause it any danger or think we would uh, hurt it anyway, that is not our desire. never has been. Not from the time I was a child, it's never been. And neither has it any other cowboys. And so that desert tortoise has been used against us, even though he's our friend.
0: Well, I think this is a bigger, growing, visceral problem of this Agenda 21. They want these specific environmentally allocated zones. They call them these ASECs, because that was really a part of what they were originally saying. The BLM document that I came across last year carefully spelled out all of the Agenda 21 precautions to protect the environment and indigenous wildlife in these newly created solar energy zones. And I actually came across a real smoking gun last year when I came across a very interesting BLM document. It specifically mentions the tortoise and its need to be protected within these solar energy zones except for humans. And nothing's mentioned about how land will be acquired through the imminent domain process. And the document makes it clear that land can be acquired to protect local species which could be threatened. And this is how the federal government is getting around declaring eminent domain and paying people fair market value for their land prior to stealing it. You know, when you look at the Bureau of Land Management, whose director was Senator Harry Reid's former senior advisor, they purged all the documents from their web, and I think it's absolutely treasonous how Harry Reid is not in jail, quite frankly.
1: You know, uh, I just drove uh, a road uh, 400 miles up through the state of Nevada to Carson City to support that A, B, 408 bill and you know what I seen was I, I seen a great uh, state and lots of land lots of resources and you know as I looked out and uh, traveled I said well you know there's a mining resource there's a recreation resource there's livestock grazing resource there and you know what I really seen is I seen nothing a wasteland not being used and when I went through these uh, small towns they look like ghost towns. But, you know, even more so, they look like junkyards. There's not a new home. There's not a new car. There's not a new piece of equipment. There's not a new mining shaft or hole or anything like that. There was no cattle on the land. I mean, what are we doing in Nevada? We're not even trying to maintain our resources, let alone use them and make them beneficial to man. And then we wonder, well, how come? Well, how come As we have a big a government you know, the BLM, Forest Service, Park Service, all these bureaucrats, they're all making big wages, but they're not taking care of our land. They're keeping the resource away from the people so they can't progress. Or, uh You know, one thing that's important for a human being is they need to be able to dream. You know, our young people need to be able to dream about a cattle ranch or dream about a mine or dream about a business, dream about a nice home out in the country. We can't even do those things in Nevada no more. We haven't been able to them for the last 58 years.
0: Well, it's stunning, and I think that's why the exciting part of this is about Nevada's resource rights bill that you guys are working on, this AB408, because you're absolutely right. The bottom line is it's time to turn land back to the homesteader. States should manage the land, not the feds. As you just said, these places are looking like Detroit. Land and resources should be ruled by the people, for the people. Not out of Washington, should they? And this bill really could be a landmark forerunner to implement that change. So springboarding into this bill, AB 408, tell our listeners really, Clive, about this bill and what you hope to achieve through it.
1: Well, the first thing I want to say is we're not asking the federal government for a land back. We are a sovereign state. We uh, we have received statehood. So we're not asking for a land back. What we're saying is we're going to strengthen Nevada law, and we're going to make sure the resources of this land are being used by Nevada people, not controlled by and managed by the federal government. So it's not a, a land grab in the sense of the United States turning their land back, so it's, we're going to stand up and say, hey, we are a sovereign state. We're just going to exercise our existing laws, and AB 408 is a strengthening of Nevada law. Nevada already has a law saying they own the land. Now we're going to strengthen the land and say, hey, we're going to use our resources here. It's not only the resources we're trying to get use of. We're going to say well, this land is, is belongs to the people of Nevada, And all of these people of Nevada is going to have access to this land. We're not going to lock this land away from you and say no this and no that, no no hunting, no camping, no fishing, no fire, no this, no that. We're going to get rid of them and say you're welcome to use your public land. And that's what we're trying to do is make sure that we have access to this land and make sure that we have use of our resources. Things like water and the grazing, you know, the forage, the minerals, you know, timber and lumber and things like that. Then they're the type of resources that we're going to start exercising our ownership over.
0: Well, effectively, I guess, it opens the door for residents to develop land resources in traditional key sectors in the state. You just said farming, ranching, mining, recreation. So look at it this way. Presently, the U.S. Federal Department of Interior and its subsidiaries claim managerial control and ownership over nearly 90% of Nevada's public lands. So this bill essentially, it reins them in a bit. Would you say that's fair?
1: Well, yeah, it don't only rain them a little bit, it eliminates them. They have no... Uh you know, they have no constitutional jurisdiction and authority here, and so they're they're basically out. So what basically we're going to say is no to federal bureaucracies, and we're going to say the people of Nevada are going to take control over their resources. And this is going to be done in an orderly way. You've got to remember there's some people, some businesses in Nevada, that already have the preemptive rights created through beneficial use, and those rights will be protected. And then there's land that has no that they basically been ruined by the federal government. Those lands will have opportunity to people to pick up and either lease or buy and put to use. In other words, go ahead and use some resources that are not being used. And so it's an opportunity for for the young people. Opportunity for the counties. The counties will receive the revenues from uh, the resources. In other words, if there's an oil well goes in, the county will be receiving so many dollars per barrel. If there's livestock running on that, in that county, they're going to get so many dollars for the production of animals. In other words, the taxes will be on production, not a grazing fee. And that money will be used for the schools and their police department, and their roads, and, this, and, and for general use of the county of the county that the resources in.
0: Well, if passed, I guess essentially it completely prohibits the feds from regulating public lands and provides you residents with clear beneficial use rights on those public lands, essentially.
1: Well, sure. And what it's going to do is if you want to put it in the the sense of management, it's going to take the management out of the hands of the federal government and put it in the hands of your county commissioners. And the policing power is the same way. It's going to take the, the policing power out of the federal agencies. Those are the people that had the guns pointed at Bundy Ranch and, and their friends. Well, we're going to take that power away from them and put it in our county sheriff. He will have the policing power and resting power in the, within the borders of the county. That's where the power is meant to be by our constitution. That's where we're going to make sure it is.
0: Well, as much as, you know, it was exciting to see people standing up, you know, get your impounded cattle back, etc. last year, one of the things that was very frustrating for me was the sheriff. I mean, this guy really forced people's hands. He could have said no. The sheriff has the ability to just say no to the feds. And that that was very stunning. Did that surprise you?
1: Uh, Well, yeah, it was very sad because, you know, we elect the sheriff and we pay the sheriff. To protect our life, liberty, and property. That's really the only reason for government is to protect the life, liberty, and property of we the, we the people. And that sheriff actually hid under the table and didn't do his job. And that's what caused all of these problems. You know, he could have said no anytime, even, uh, even months before the standoff. And he could have said no the morning of the standoff and, you know, It was a mandate saying, Sheriff, take their arms away from those uh, bureaucracies, disarm the, the bureaucracy. Well, you know, if the sheriff had done that, we wouldn't have had to face the guns. But because he didn't do his job, then we, the people, basically had to face those guns.
0: Well, yeah, and in October of this year, the BLM were back up to no good trying to update their already very nefarious resource management plan to place additional limits on federal lands as if they weren't bad enough by expanding what are known as these areas of critical concern under the guise of protecting the environment. I mean, what a crock. I mean, here we go with more saving the planet rhetoric. But I have an area of critical concern. And that is, why is Harry Reid not in jail for treason? He's okay to go on Fox News and have the brass to call you a domestic terrorist at the height of this standoff. And yet, He goes traipsing off to China with his huckster son and brokers shady deals and clever schemes to sell off below market value of, you know, valuable land, mineral and water rights to communist China under, this is China government rule, which are only accountable to China's government, not American government. That is ironic. And Harry Reid, in my opinion, is one gutless weasel.
1: Well, it's pretty criminal. You know, I've had the media and uh, even our county sheriff said, well, you know, uh, Bundy, you're gonna, you're a criminal. We're gonna charge you with criminal offenses. And I, I say, well, who is the criminal here? You know, and, and, you know, of course we could turn to Harry Reid and say, Harry Reid, you're the criminal. But it is a question. Who is the criminal here? Who was, uh, who was uh, stealing cattle? Who was destroying, uh, private property? Who was pointing their, sniper guns at at the citizens and who brought the army against us. And not only that, who was taking our first amendment rights away from us? Aren't them all a criminal offenses? So who was the criminal here? Was it Bundy and his his uh, supporters or was it uh, the federal government, including Harry Reid? Who was the criminal here?
0: Well, if there was a egregious and flagrant case of, I mean, there's so many things being violated in this case and you know, all the Clark County sheriff, all he would have had to do was say no to these guys. And he was really the one complicit in this BLM bullying enact. Tyranny, like many of these so-called sheriffs today, you've brought up a valid question. I mean, meanwhile, the FBI is reportedly conducting a criminal investigation into possible weapons violations and intimidation tactics against federal agents, and that is a good question. Who's really the one doing the intimidation here? Well, yeah, that is a
1: question there's always a lot of rumors that the fbi is involved here and of course i know fbi was involved here several weeks before the standoff so it's no surprising to me that fbi is here but there was something that was that really surprised me after probably uh, two or three weeks after the standoff I, I get to thinking how did all of these people know what to do and talking about the the ones that stood against the bundy and, and his supporters we was never organized in any way. It just seemed like we was inspired to do this and do that almost a minute per minute, and that's that's where we got our guidance from. But on the other side, how come did we have the federal government and their army? We had basically the state of Nevada and their police force that would have been their highway patrol and their brand inspection people, and then we had the Clark County with their swap teams and their men. And we even had the City of Mesquite uh, police force, and they were all against We the People. Now, how did that happen? And so when I started looking at that and tried to figure that out, they was organized. In other words, when We the People went off to the, up to the standoff area, they were waiting for us. It wasn't like they'd come later. They were already oh. there. And so this is something that's really surprised me. Now, this is what I figured out. They, they are an organization through the Homeland Security, which is called Fusion. These police uh, uh, departments were all fused together. They already had this plan. They all—all all of them knew what they was doing against Bundy, and so it wasn't just the federal government. It wasn't just Harry Reid. It was all of these policing forces that were against Bundy and his uh, supporters.
0: It was such a case of absolute inspiration to see neighbors coming down there standing together but the the more concerning issue is that it ever happened I mean when does a federal government drive around in MROPS and point sniper rifles at people I mean what are we living in Nazi Germany like that is just quite stunning that that happened right on your own property I mean when you saw sniper rifles I, I mean did any part of you just go wow this is not the America I grew up in
1: well, you know, I knew for about 10 days before the standoff that I had sniper rifles on, uh, pointed in my chest all the time. And I also knew they had high sensitive communication equipment that were, you know, they could probably tell everything I was saying in the, in my home and wherever I went. I knew this was happening. You know, the, the funny part about it, I don't know whether you call it funny, maybe you call it inspiration, but you know, I had very little fear and, uh, I just figured that's the way it is. You know, I just had to face it. That was the same feeling that uh, people that went before those guns. You know, there was hundreds of people stood before those guns. I'm talking about the guns that the bureaucracy had pointing at us. There was approximately 200 federal agents equipped with very heavy, high-powered military-type weapons. And they was that was what was pointing at we the people. But I'm telling you, those people went, and they faced those guns without fear. That's something that was really hard to understand.
0: Wow, isn't that hard to understand? Well, one of the driving forces in this exciting resource rights bill, AB 408, again, people can look that up, is Nevada State Assemblywoman Michelle Fiore, who highlighted this issue as an important one for the people. And last year, as she was speaking out, I, I really have to admire you know, we're, we're just so overrun with these political charlatans. It's really nice to see Michelle Fiore standing up for this issue and really getting behind this because she really is behind this bill, isn't she?
1: Yeah, and let me, I am going to tell you something that probably never told anybody before. Michelle Fiore, she was out here at the, at the time of the standoff. And so this was April 12th. When April 12th, the, the night, come upon us and you know the dark come up us there was uh, a threat of a drone attack on Bundy Ranch there was a lot of people sort of scared and you know that the United States was going to send a drone in here and just take us out I guess would be the word Michelle she stayed in my front yard and she had a couple other representatives you know state representatives I know there's some from Arizona and they stu- stayed here and, and way into the night. And I just almost had to tell them, you know, you, I don't need you. You're going to have to go home. And what they said is they're going to kill Bundy's. They're going to kill one of the state representatives. And she wow. was willing to put her li- life on the line. So, so didn't several others and so did some from Arizona legislators. And they was willing to stand and, and uh, risk their life here on Bundy Ranch. And uh, you know, that story's never went out.
0: Well, that just shows me that I was right about her. She really just seems like a woman who's got strong convictions, a strong Christian woman that's willing to speak out and go toe-to-toe, even when it's not popular, because she's come under a lot of fire for this bill. It's just so ironic how some of these leftists will spin this story that, oh, what Clive and Bundy's bill is, it's not even conservative, it's not constitutional. I mean... The incredible part of our bought-and-paid-for mainstream media just spin these stories to cater to the, the globalists, and I think that's really a problem in our country, isn't it? You
1: know, uh, one thing I can tell you about this uh, bill, and I've worked on this bill quite a bit myself, we've tried to make this bill constitutional. Says we want to be in line with the supreme law of the land, and we be, want it to be in line with the Nevada state laws. And so we've put a lot of effort into making sure this bill is in line. But let me tell you what, there can be a lot of criticism. There's over 1,000 uh, bills before the legislature, and within four days from the time this bill received the number, that re- received that AB408 number, it was the number one top bill, and it stayed there for you know the last couple of weeks. And so, in other words, this bill is a popular bill with the, the citizens of Nevada, and it's a popular bill with the West United States people, and I would assume maybe it's a popular bill around the world. People, people want us to get back to our constitution. They want us to be get back to some freedom and liberty, and they want us to see us produce and use our resources in a, in a you know a constructive and a positive manner. So this bill is number one bill in the state of Nevada today.
0: Well, that is incredible. And it is really gaining a lot of backing. It's gaining a lot of momentum. And I really hope because of the fact that it's bringing the state of Nevada back to the Constitution, I'd like to see this be an earmark to change the way we do business in other states. I mean, it really could be a template for other states. And I could just see it really like a grass fire spreading across America. And that's exciting.
1: Well, and it, it will be if they if they pass it, but you've got to remember that there's a they, they've got to be a great opposition, you know, there's always a good and a evil because this thing here is going to change the whole different way our federal government deals with we the people in the west.
0: Well, Cliven, it's such a pleasure to have you on the program. We'd love to have you come back and give our listeners an update on where things sit, and we really pray for success in this bill. Thank you so much for everything you've done. And, again, we just want to, again, thank you for, you know, standing up for your rights. So thank you for that, sir. And
1: we, we are going to have a party here, a barbecue and a party, and we're going to have some speakers and entertainment on the 10th, 11th, and 12th here at the Bundy Ranch. And we invite you to come and visit and join us. And we're going to celebrate our uh, success. We've, we've had uh, great success this year. And we do; we have enjoyed some freedom and liberty, so we're going to celebrate that. Well, and, you and know, I think
0: it should be celebrated.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing I want to thank your or that you reach out to. You know, we have felt your prayers, and we thank you for it. And you know, this is a great nation, and we do have a great God that's uh, concerned about us. He wants us to have some individual agency, and uh, He has supported this and all these causes.
0: Amen to that. Well, again, I just want to thank you for everything that you've done here, and God bless your family, everybody who's fought hard in this in this fight because it has been a fight. You know, victories are are forthcoming. So, everybody, I encourage you to get out to that good party. It's a good celebration and a good victory. So, thanks again for your time, Clive and, and do come back and see us soon.
1: Okay, and, and thank you, and good good night, America and the world. Bye bye. Thank,
0: thank you, sir. Bye bye. Folks, that was mister and Bundy. His information is linked there at WeekendVigilante.com. You can like their Facebook page as well as get behind this AB four oh eight bill. It is a bill that we should be supporting. You can learn more information there at WeekendVigilante.com. Folks, thank you so much for tuning into the program tonight. Good night and God bless. The Sheila Zelinsky Show is sponsored by Stevequail.com offering a wide variety of products, links, headlines, and information for the end times. Order Steve's new book, Little Creatures, by visiting stevequail.com. Dare to discover, learn, prepare, and be amazed.